Hello and welcome in to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex from BTN.com and this is another football focus episode of this podcast because number one, we have a ton to get to after the chaos and carnage we saw this past week in college football. And two, we do these every week with a national college football analyst to get a broad perspective on the sport, which is especially important this time of year with the college football playoff rankings, making everybody crazy on Twitter and uh, hopefully not in their real lives, but maybe there too. And just as I say, we do these every week of the college football season. I have to point out we may or may not do one next week because of Thanksgiving. We will see. That's to be determined. Uh, you know, got to get home for Thanksgiving and uh, we'll see how the schedule sorts itself out. But that's why you got to subscribe to the podcast so you know exactly when each and every episode comes out. And just a reminder, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean to stay up to speed. This week, our guest is Bill Bender of the Sporting News. And as always, alongside our national guest, we got Tom Deanhart, btn.com, as part of the discussion as well. We talk the week that was in college football, we talk college football playoff rankings, and we look ahead to the upcoming college football weekend. And also, we wrap up with our regular Stathead segment with BTN researcher Harold Shelton as well. And, you know, he always keeps it real. So before we get to all that, uh, I want to let everyone know about our btn.com online store and the coupon code that allows you to take 10% off your order by typing in take 10 in the coupon box while you shop. That coupon code is T-A-K-E, all caps, and the number is one and zero. And you just submit that after you go to btn.com, click on the store tab at the bottom of the screen on mobile or at the top of the screen if you're on your desktop or laptop and pick out what you want from a variety of uh, good Big Ten related gear. And as everyone knows, holiday shopping season is in full swing, and if you're lazy like me, you'll do most, if not all of that holiday shopping online. Uh, I kind of went down a, a rabbit hole yesterday online shopping. Uh, you know, I got going, I, I bought a couple of presents for some family, friends, saw some more deals. Then I started buying myself presents because I can just get them shipped to my parents' house so that when I get home for Christmas, they'll be under the tree waiting for me because uh, that's that's what you do, I guess, if you're, if you're a millennial these days. So, you know, just shop for yourself and... Uh, have your mom hit the uh, the Venmo account, but um, that was the that was my that was my evening yesterday. So if you have a similar evening coming up, where you you know get down that that internet rabbit hole and start and start shopping, make sure you hit up btn.com. Don't forget about the coupon code T A K E one zero to uh, take ten percent off that order through the Take Ten podcast. So. With all that out of the way, we will get to our interview right now with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. I am very pleased to be joined, as always, by our very own Tom Deanhart calling in from his home near St. Louis and to help us break down all the developments in college football, including Tuesday night's college football playoff rankings. We brought in Bill Bender of the Sporting News, and you can follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, good morning. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And, um, you know, the college football playoff rankings came out last night. It was it was a crazy week nationally, for sure, uh, in the college football picture. Big Ten, not so much, although there was some, uh, a little more clarity with some teams getting uh, getting destroyed, and some kind of upstart teams that, that kind of got put in their place a little bit. And uh, we start off the show every week with some initial impressions of the week before just a quick synopsis of what went down so we'll start with you tom 
in the Big Ten. Give us a quick wrap of uh, what went down in the Big Ten and uh, what do you think it means going forward? Yeah, just a big bounce back for Ohio State, right? I think that was the had to be the main headline from last Saturday for the conference. Um, forty-eight to three, guys. I mean, uh, one week after <clears throat> one week after the fifty-five to twenty-four annihilation in Iowa City, to see that team pick itself up off the mat, beat a very good uh, Michigan State team like that was impressive. So I know we're going to talk about it later, but yes, indeed, the Buckeyes are still very alive. It looks like in this college football playoff chase, even though. They've got two losses. So, uh, yeah, that was a big takeaway. Northwestern continues to roll, guys. And then the misery for Nebraska, giving up 50 points on the road to a mediocre Minnesota team. I mean, the clock's ticking awfully loudly for Mike Riley and Lincoln right now. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State really needed a performance like that to get themselves back in the discussion. They definitely got some help as well from the outside. Um, Like you said, Minnesota, a team that – has not necessarily been an offensive juggernaut this season, hanging a 50-burger on Nebraska. Uh, wild to see that. Bill, we'll throw it over to you now. Um, let's get some initial impressions of the past week in college football and what it means going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Ohio State was the headliner in the noon slot. And then, you know, I was down in Miami for the Notre Dame game, so I didn't get to watch as much of the 3.30 or 8 o'clock slot live, went back and looked at it and watched Wisconsin. And um, that was the story to me, a team that finally played in a game that everybody wanted to watch. And it's still being undervalued, I think, nationally. What they did to Iowa, especially one week after what Iowa did to Ohio State. So I think the Badgers, this continual quest for respect from a 10-0 Big Ten team is something that I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah, Bill, you were down in Miami. Uh, did you get into any extracurricular activities during the weekend, or uh, was it strictly business? Um, you know, I'm a business guy on the road. It, I got down there pretty late Friday night. So, uh, you know, that was not from a Big Ten standpoint, but from a, you know, if you grandfather in Notre Dame in some ways, that was eye-opening to see Miami beat Notre Dame like that. And uh, to be honest, if you're a Big Ten team, Notre Dame's loss, and then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, Georgia, that, those are big doors that got opened. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I thought it was hilarious that I saw, like, a, a media release. And I can't even remember if it was from the school or, or who it was from, but it, it warned media members not to follow, like, recruits to the Miami clubs, which I thought it was like, that's only something that could be at the U. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have I'm to talking. worry about me doing that. <laughs> Bill, all Bill right, we'll take your Luther, we'll take your word Bill for it. Was with, Bill, Bill was out with Luther Campbell getting some uh, uh, ribs at uh, an Applebee's, probably. You know, Bill, Bill, Bill was out hanging <laughs> the South Beach Applebee's. All right, we'll take your word for it, uh, and we'll we'll move move on uh, to you mentioned Bill the Wisconsin game and their quest for respect. Um, you know, they certainly delivered a performance they needed to kind of at least elevate and boost their reputation in the eyes of not only the committee, but just, you know, kind of the general college football fan because their, their schedule has really been getting crapped on all season. Um, so they get a, a top 20 win, and uh, Ohio State gets a top 15 win as well. You know, we, we entered last week kind of talking about these upstart Michigan State and, and Iowa teams. They're both coming off huge wins, saying, you know, eh, maybe these maybe these teams can go back-to-back, pull off a couple uh, – uh, unlikely outcomes again, and nah, Wisconsin and, and Ohio State kind of shut it down. So we'll start with Wisconsin. I mean, despite injuries to guys like 
uh, Quintez Cephas out and Chris Orr and, and some key pieces. They put together probably the most complete game of the season. Tom, what do you like what you're seeing from them? Uh, what's what's making them you know kind of pick up steam here down the stretch? Yeah, defense, I guess. Defense, defense. And I think it was constant. That's what I think of. And that side of the ball has been off the charts good all season. Maybe the best defense in America. I know they've given up only three rushing touchdowns this year, which is the fewest in the nation. And you talked about attrition. You know, Jack Sitchie goes down before the year even gets going. Chris Orr out. Dakota Dixon didn't play last week either. The safety, and they still continue to dominate. So credit to that new coordinator, Jim Leonard. And from front to back, again, that defense has been spectacular. And you know what, offensively, um, the Lions vintage Wisconsin. They have more playmaking receivers than they've had in years, although, you know, I actually talked about some of the attrition there. Jazz Peavy, Quintez Cephas in particular. There's still a lot of options there. Jonathan Taylor, the running back. The key guy, though, is obviously the quarterback, Alex Hornerbrook. We've seen guys, him, you know, he really has a tendency to make, a, make some bad decisions on an interception every game. Which could be the, which could end up proving fatal for them down the stretch at some point. But again, um, they keep playing defense like that, running the ball. With Jonathan Taylor, you gotta like their chances to win out here uh, against Michigan, then against Minnesota, and then probably Ohio State over in Indianapolis for that Big Ten title game. And Tom, how about Northwestern? Uh, I mean, they look like they they could be on track to win ten games now after a really rocky start to the season. Yeah, nine and three uh, looks like could be their record going into the bowl season, and. Um, you think they were honestly two and three maybe to start the year? Yeah, they won five in a row. I think. Yeah, they yeah. won five in a row. They had that run of overtime wins, and you know I talked about Wisconsin's defense. Northwestern's defense is pretty underrated, guys. The front seven in particular. Um, Patty Fitch was a redshirt freshman linebacker, one of the best in America right now. Uh, nice line. So again, we know about the offense. We know about Clayton Thorson, Justin Jackson, <clears throat> but again, that defense really keeps them in games and. It's been a fun year for those guys up in Evanston. All right, speaking of Wisconsin, um, they came in at number five in last night's college football playoff, or Tuesday night's college football playoff rankings release. They're the highest-ranked Big Ten team, uh, and we had uh, Alabama, Clemson, Miami, and Oklahoma going one through four. And um, it, it seems like it seems like Wisconsin, or I'm sorry, it seems like Ohio State. Is is always lurking. So, Bill, what is it about this Ohio State team? I mean, even even in the uh, like in the BCS era, it always seemed like everything broke right for them, and it seems like it could be, you know, playing out again that way this year. That that you know they were they were done for just a week ago after getting blown out by Iowa, and then you know a couple games break their way outside of the conference. They put up a, a big game against Michigan State. Um, what what's realistically? their odds of, you know, making some noise and uh, wiggling their way into the conversation here, if not, if they haven't already? I mean, I'm not trying to be cute. I think if they went out, I told Tom this yesterday, I think if they went out, they're in, just because of how the board looks. Um, you know, then then the arguments become, especially if Alabama wins the SEC, because then Alabama's not sitting there as a one-loss team that didn't make the SEC championship game. I think a one-loss Miami that doesn't win the net, the uh, ACC championship game doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of a two-loss Big Ten champion that would have piled up victories against Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So like you said, they, they're always lurking. They're always in the picture. If you would have told me this scenario after Iowa, I would have said no. But they, the biggest break they caught last weekend was the fact that Notre Dame lost 
and doesn't have a conference championship game. And Georgia lost, so there can't be a 12-0 versus 12-0 SEC championship game. No team benefited more from the chaos last weekend than Ohio State. Right. I mean, like you said, they need to jump Auburn and Georgia. So really, Buckeyes fans should be rooting for uh, Alabama in the weeks ahead here. Oklahoma will get in regardless, and they have the head-to-head over Ohio State anyway. And then, you know, you just need to beat Wisconsin and, and kind of let the rest sort itself out. I mean, there's always a chance that, that they fall just short. But like you said, I like how it sets up. And just like a week ago, I saw, I think, uh, a couple guys that we had had on the podcast previously, guys like uh, Ralph Russo, and I think a couple others were tweeting that, you know, if Ohio State wins out, they're probably in. And they kept banging that drum, and it looks like, you know, they're looking a whole lot smarter this week than they were uh, about just, just a week ago. Um, so Bill, if you could kind of put the, uh, remaining, I guess the remaining rankings in perspective for how, or I guess in regards to the big 10, um, if you could frame what we saw last night coming out of the college football rankings, like, does it matter that, that Clemson is two, because I I guess it doesn't really matter since they're going to settle on the field with Miami. Um, is there anything else that, that, uh, shapes, I guess the big 10's odds, of getting one team into that top four? Well, I guess Penn State's the forgotten team because they're, they're landlocked out of the Big Ten championship game unless Ohio State finds a way to lose two. I mean, the way that uh, Penn State's still a very good football team, but I don't think they really have a chance. So I, I do think it comes down to Wisconsin-Ohio State. That, you know, either one has to win out and hope that you, you, it, it's such a strange thing for a Big Ten to to say that uh considering the text i got saturday night that uh you know you got to kind of root for alabama to win out and that's weird but uh you know if alabama and ohio state ended up playing each other in the sugar bowl or wisconsin it'd be pretty cool so i think the big 10 whereas all the carnage that happened the previous week really hurt the conference they kind of got it back and i think both of those it's just weird that the that you're rooting for alabama in some ways and you have to watch out for Michigan. It's kind of the ultimate irony. Yeah, I mentioned. Hey, Phil. Hey, real quick, then. Um, Auburn takes care of business, and they they went out. And uh, so then you do think the SEC could get then two teams into the playoff, right? Do you think Auburn and well, Alabama would both get in? Well, I, I would. Let me ask you guys a question. I, I try to be a reporter for a minute because this is one I, I'm really interested to hear what you guys would think. So. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship, two-loss team conference champion, and Alabama's sitting at home after, let's say, the Iron Bowl 38-35, and they lose in dramatic fashion, they have one loss sitting at home, and they don't go to Atlanta, who would the committee take, a two-loss Ohio State team or a one-loss Alabama? Tom, what do you think? Toward Bama. Yeah, I mean, to me, I would mean toward Bama. I know up to this point the resume is not that good, what the Mississippi State win, the LSU win. Um, obviously not spectacular uh, resume to date, but still, um, they passed the eyeball test, and uh, they would have had only one loss, and that would be a quality loss on the road at Auburn. And again, Ohio State, while they maybe have some better overall wins, can you look past the losses and blow out fashion guys? Um, 31 to 16, I think, to Oklahoma in the horseshoe. And then the 55 to 24 demolition at Iowa. And guys, that's honestly, that, that's, that's probably just an average Iowa team. So, uh, in my mind, I still think a one loss Bama should get the nod, may get the nod over a two loss uh, Ohio State. 
Yeah, Tom, I agree. And I mean, this committee talks about like quality of wins. Kind of, I feel like we're talking about college basketball and March Madness with like the quality of wins term. But <laughs> you know, when you, th- I know they they weigh the quality of wins, but I don't think Ohio State could overcome the quote quality of losses. Like you said, Tom, both double digit losses. The the Iowa one was really ugly. And, you know, I just think if you're going by eye test that they, they put an Alabama team, even if they, you know, stumble um, in the Iron Bowl against a, a really good Auburn team, despite Auburn having two losses. So I agree. I think I think Alabama would get the nod over Ohio State. Um, Bill, one question I have for you, because I saw it really being stirred up on Twitter last night. And it's it's not really a big deal, like I said, because Clemson and Miami are going to um, be able to to play head-to-head and, and figure it out. But what's the committee's infatuation with Clemson? What's the deal with that? Because they're they're ahead over, they're ranked number two over number three Miami, even though Miami's undefeated and Clemson has that one loss to Syracuse. I know the committee made the excuse that, you know, uh, Clemson's QB was injured and uh, they, they kind of, you know, gave him a mulligan there almost. What, what, what's, the, what's the deal? Why are they slotted at two over an undefeated team well you know it's it's the old rick flair principle you know to be the man you got to beat the man and (laughs) and as far as the acc goes clemson's the man and i know they lost one but um look at if you look at some of the wins they have this year and i went to the louisville game earlier this season that was a different game at the time you know louisville Mm -hmm. had the heisman winner they they had game day virginia Tech had game day I thought NC State might have game day. And yet, um, you know, Clemson went in and spoiled all those parties on the road. Yeah, they lost one, but it's still a very good team. I mean, Florida State gave them a good shot, too. And I've seen both. I think Clemson will be favored when they play in Charlotte. It'll probably be a slight favorite. It's going to be a heck of a game. That's on Miami to win, though, to me. That's on Miami to go out there and prove that, hey, we're really back. We're the new boss of the ACC. Um, you know, Dabo, you're great and everything, but but this is our conference now. And that's why I think, you know, everything I learned in life, I learned from Ric Flair and Dabo Sweeney, apparently. <laughs> but uh, I, I like Clemson's chances in that game. And turnover but chains uh, turnover chains galore will be flying in that one. The key, Bill, you know how to do a figure four leg lock, though. That's the key. <laughs> well, well, Tom, this is the interesting thing, and I wrote this last week, and I think – I think no team in the FBS is having more fun than Miami right now, but kind of Dabo kind of patented that. You know, he he got them mm-hmm. up. He built this Clemson program, and it's really been amazing to see. And I still think I don't think it's an infatuation from the committee so much as it's a respect because they know it's November, and this is when Dabo's at his best. Okay, That's fair. Now here here here's my quick query. I was I was stunned. <laughs> by the disrespect for Oklahoma. I think you can make a case for them being number one right now. Um, can you find it? Is there anybody else that has better wins than Oklahoma? And the one loss, guys, I know, was against Iowa State, but that's not allowed the Iowa State team, as we saw. So, again, um, how the Sooners are number four stuns I me. Mean, this team went to the horseshoe, crushed the Buckeyes, beat Oklahoma State, beat TCU. I mean, come on. If I were ranking them last night, I would have put Oklahoma two, and I think I would have went Alabama, Oklahoma, Miami, Clemson, and and I say that because Oklahoma, like you said, they piled up victories against Ohio State on the road, TCU at home, and the Bedlam game, and uh, 
they're the one team out of all these playoff teams, playoff contenders even, from 1 to 10, they're the one team that, that quarterback is not a question mark at all. You are not worried about Baker Mayfield. He's going to win the Heisman. He's going to – I think they can put 30 on anybody, at, yeah. at least 30. And uh, that's what makes them so dangerous heading into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I also saw this floated out on Twitter. I spend too much time on Twitter, but I couldn't tell if it was a uh, a joke or, or not. But I guess looking at it, I could kind of you know envision it becoming a discussion in a couple of weeks here. If Michigan, with two losses, beats um, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Do they have a chance to get back in this college football playoff discussion? Is that is, is there any prayer? Tom, I'll start with you. What are they, 23rd or 25th? Or they're the bottom. They're 24th. They made their debut. Yeah, they're ranked. Yeah, they're ranked. Yeah. State was 25th, I think. Um, I don't know, man. I tell you what. Uh, I would say, uh, I, you never want to say never, but, boy, that would be a monster leap for the last couple weeks of the year. Um, you know, I, I think the odds would be long. I guess I would say no at this point. Um, again, um. That's a lot. That's a lot of teams to leap here down the stretch, and it take a lot of chaos. I think um, for for them to to get back in the conversation. What, what what do you think, Bill? I think if you're Penn State, you root for that because that's who would benefit from Michigan winning both games. Um, right. You know, Penn State's two losses are by four points. Um, if they could somehow wiggle into the Big Ten championship game, it's going to be really hard. But uh, even if they don't, I mean, Ohio State would have three losses at that point. Michigan State's kind of – they're probably out because of a 48-3 to loss. I don't think they're going to be seriously considered. But uh, Penn State, remember, they drilled Michigan, and people will remember yeah. that. So I think a 10-2 and Michigan team would come up short of the Big Ten Championship. They'd go back to a nice New Year's Day Six Bowl and set themselves up for next year where all these young guys are a little bit older and we'd be we're going to have the same discussion about Jim Harbaugh next year because they're probably <laughs> going to go 10 and 3 and we're going to wonder if they can win the Big 10 or not. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is that um you know, you know Michigan after all this they like we said they haven't beaten anybody but it, it, there's still potential there for a uh a really nice season if they can, you know, pull I think even winning one of these next two games and like you said they, oh, they'll yeah. prefer the Ohio State game uh at least from a fan base perspective. Um I'm going to shift to some individual players now before we move on to, to week 12. And I'm going to start with Ohio State's Mike Weber because he gave an interview to BTN after the game. It kind of slid under the radar a little bit. And I, and I, I was watching. I saw it uh, during the the uh, final drive show on BTN. And he made a couple interesting points. And, and one, and I think he was a little more forthcoming than, than players usually are, especially after a win. Um, the first point he made was that he said he and J.K. Dobbins have been lobbying Kevin Wilson for more carries. And, Tom, first of all, I just want to ask, does this surprise you at all that we're kind of still going through this, that the running backs at Ohio State, as talented as they are, feel like they're not getting enough love and enough touches? Yeah, it does. Uh, this, this predates Kevin Wilson. <clears throat> I mean, I, I was in Columbus at that game a couple years ago against Michigan State when Elliott went off after the game, criticized his coaches, his lack of use, and that was that was Ed Warner and Tim Beck. Here we are, Kevin Wilson, the guy in Indiana. You guys know this. He ran the football. He always had good backs there, you know. Jordan Howard, Tevin Coleman, among others. 
And uh, why not feed the ball to these guys? We've seen every time Ohio State struggled, we got the running back. So, yeah, it is a little bit of a surprise, but maybe too little too late. You saw how effective that offense can be last week when they featured those guys, right? They totally annihilated the Spartans. That was the worst loss I think Antonio has ever had as the Spartan head coach. Yeah, and I want to be clear, like, I mean, his comments, I think his guard was kind of down a little bit, and he was, like, he was smiling. It's not like this is a Zeke situation where he was, you know, ripping the OC. I think he was just saying, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we want the ball. We want, we've been wanting the ball a little more. We finally got it, uh, especially against Michigan State. Uh, another comment he made was that, um, you know, that, that Ohio State overlooked Iowa, and, and he kind of said it in passing. He said, but, yeah, you know, Iowa, we, Iowa, we kind of overlooked them going in. Bill, my question is, you know, how does that happen if you're Ohio State uh, to an Urban Meyer team? You know, you think that they can't afford to overlook anybody, especially an Iowa team that's known to, you know, bring the thunder when teams come to Kinnick Stadium. Well, I think part of it was, and I was at the Penn State game, just the emotional high of coming back from the dead in that game. Like, it was over. I was My column was filed. I had to do some serious <laughs> rewriting for, for sporting news. It was, the worst. It was done. And, uh... I think that made it hard that uh, to get up after you're up so high, and then you've got to go out to Iowa, and they aren't the first person to go out there and trip up. But I thought, you know, Tom's points about the running game hit with me because I think it's not just about running the ball because JT Barrett gets a lot of carries. It's about giving it to mm-hmm. those running backs. Um, Dobbins and Weber are phenomenal, and, you know, this spread that they run isn't really a spread. It's essentially Earl Bruce football out of a shotgun. So give it to your running backs as much as possible because they're both very talented. I think you saw some of that last week. You'll see it again this week. And it'll be interesting to what, what kind of wrinkles they have in the, the run game against um, Michigan because I think the thing I'm looking most forward to about that game is the coordinator matchup between Kevin Wilson and, and Don Brown. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch that shake out. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't anything earth-shattering. But it's it's refreshing for me at least to just you know kind of have a, a player open up a little bit, especially uh, on a team that tends to keep it tight like Ohio State. Um, moving on to another player on uh, you know that that was on our minds and and really in our discussions pretty much every week here, Tom. First seven eight weeks of the season and uh, was in the national picture as well. That's Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I thought he had the Heisman wrapped up midway through the season. I know that's a, a stupid assumption because this stuff always changes. Uh, I guess my question is, are, are his Heisman hopes officially dead now after the, the performances he's had? Because, you know, he's not even breaking 100 yards on the ground. And, and let's be real, I mean, the reason he was returning kicks and the reason he is returning kicks and throwing touchdown passes, even if, you know, James Franklin doesn't want to admit it, it, it was to, to boost that Heisman resume and to kind of mask the fact that, he, you know, he's not really – racking up that many yards on the ground especially as of late so tom uh can we can we uh shovel some dirt on those heisman hopes do you think (laughs) i think so unfortunately a good kid a great talent who's just stuck in an offense whose line is not up to elite standards um alex you talked about the lack of production out of the backfield running the ball i think he has one 100 yard rushing game the last five he only has three on the season and uh, you're right, last week was a season low. I think he had 33 yards. So, unfortunately, yes, I think um, his hopes are probably all but dead. Maybe he could get an invitation to New York if he can finish with a flurry. We'll see. But, you know, 
Bill mentioned earlier Baker Mayfield. It's definitely his award to lose at this point. I mean, Bryce Love, the Stanford running back, uh, the quarterback at Arizona, I think, in the conversation. And, you know, maybe maybe the Big Ten's best hope is Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor, honestly, at this point. If he can tread Michigan's defense and then go on and, and, and perform well down the stretch, you know, he's not probably going to win it, but maybe Taylor gets to New York and sets himself up as a sophomore to win it. Yeah, I think make like <clears throat> it seems like it's Mayfield's award to lose now. Like you said, um, I mean, I know a few weeks ago it was it was Berkeley's award to lose, but you know, once we start getting to this point, it kind of too. Remember? Yeah, exactly. I mean, even a couple weeks ago, at least yeah. we thought Barrett would for sure get an invite, and then the uh, the Iowa game happened. But you know, Mayfield seems like almost like a foregone conclusion at this point. Um, and since I said that, I'll probably be correcting myself in a couple weeks down the road here. Um, I want to touch on one final player before we move on to to week twelve. And that's the emergence of Iowa's Josh Jackson. I mean, he had no career interceptions to this until this year, I don't believe. All of a sudden, he has five in his last two weeks. He has seven on the year, which is just absurd for, for one season. And he looks to have all the tools at, at a good 6'1", about 200 pounds, big physical uh, presence out there in the defensive backfield. Bill, do you think a guy like Josh Jackson is uh, playing his way out of town this year in Iowa City? Is he, is he going to be uh, playing on Sundays next year? Well, it's it's resembles Desmond King's right. I remember him. He was a guy that, mm-hmm. that piled up the interceptions, came back to school, and you know I don't know if, whether that helped or hurt him, but, I mean, it's a similar thing. And, and Kirk Ferentz does a good job of developing these guys and getting them ready. And, you know, that that's a decision you'll have to weigh, obviously. But uh, certainly an emergence, big playmaker and uh, those kind of things. And that is the uh, position in the NFL. I mean, you, that's one thing to consider, too, is, Team's value, and I know this being a Packers fan, which is probably going to make you both mad, that they, they value <laughs> they went all secondary because that slot corner and that strong safety are two of the most valued positions in the NFL draft right now. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, Desmond King, that could kind of be almost a, a cautionary tale even because, uh, you know, he, he was seen as a first-round pick, maybe second-round pick at the worst, and he, he fell, uh, I think, to the third day last uh last draft day so you know you maybe maybe josh jackson looked at that and says you know what maybe i'll uh i'll, I'll take my chances in, in the in the draft and come out after his junior season which is this year uh before we move on tom can you can you remember a ha- uh, big 10 player or anybody really having a a pair of weeks more impressive mm. than josh jackson i mean he had like i said five picks and two pick sixes against wisconsin yeah nothing like that i mean that, that those back-to-back games like you said uh I, 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 was, I was stunned. I mean, not just to get the interceptions, but then to take him to the house and score. Um, just incredible. And, again, the one interception against Ohio State, the one-handed pick, was spectacular. So, no, Alex, I've never seen – I can't recall, especially in the cornerback, a two-game run like this, just spectacular. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever made more money in two weeks without actually making any money getting any money in their pockets <laughs> than Josh Jackson did. Um all right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll move on now to Week 12, and we touched on it briefly earlier, but we got to start with the big game uh, that will be taking place in the Big Ten. That's Wisconsin and Michigan, number 5 versus number 24 in the college football playoff rankings. They're teams that haven't met all that often in, in the last uh, you know decade plus. Michigan did win a close game last year, and uh, Wisconsin's coming in undefeated. So, Tom, we'll start with you. Which Michigan do you think we're going to see? Because if you look at the schedule, you know, by the letter, uh, by the letter of the law, they've been bum slayers. I don't believe that they're strictly bum slayers. I think they have the talent to stand up to other top twenty-five teams and you know 
perform better than they did against Penn State where they just got rolled. So which Michigan do you think shows up this this uh this time around? Do you think it's a version that has their running backs, you know, having success like they have, especially in, in recent weeks, or do you think it's a team that shrinks like we saw uh when they when they ran into other talented teams so far this season? Bomb slayers. I've never heard that phrase. I like it. I you like that I like one? That. <laughs> I like that. You know what? I think um, I don't care if they kick this game off at 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., whenever. Michigan's not getting out of there with a win. Um, that environment, number one. Number two, redshirt freshman quarterback Brandon Peters. This will be, I think, his third career start. I know, Bill, he hasn't thrown a pick yet. He ain't <laughs> playing Rutgers. He's he not playing Rutgers or Maryland this week. This is a great defense. They're going to come after him. And don't forget, never confuse Michigan with a juggernaut when it comes to running the football. I know Karan Higgins had some big games, but, again, this is a whole different animal they're facing. So I think Wisconsin sends a message this week. I wouldn't be shocked if we win it by a couple TDs. Bill, what do you think? You feeling a little better than Tom? <laughs> I haven't heard bump players either. I've heard uh, – Man. I, I, I was – I was explaining the, the term paper tiger to my daughter the other night. That's the one I've always used when, uh, with about a team that's not as good as you think. But uh, I do think Michigan's a really good team. I think the one thing that stands out with watching Wisconsin under Paul Christ, and, I, and it's hard to describe unless you're there at a game sometimes, they play fundamental defense as good as any team in the country. It, it's on an Alabama level in terms of fundamentals, in terms of they don't miss tackles. They don't miss assignments. Their linebacker play is outstanding. And they make a team – they don't beat themselves on defense. So, like you said, with Brandon Peters, that's going to be the challenge. So, I, But I, I think Michigan's going to get after it, too, on defense and get after Hornibrook and try to force some mistakes. And he can't throw three picks in this game or they'll be in trouble. So I think I predicted 24-19 Wisconsin, maybe a, a drive late clinches it and um you know like this is the statement they need to make it might not be definitive but at the end of the day they're going to be 11 and 0 head into the minnesota game where pj flex probably gonna sell out to try to win that game and have their ticket ready for indy yeah so i mean say they beat michigan like you guys are both predicting i mean i feel like they've you know gotten a little more acknowledgement this week getting to number five in in the polls um making a a three-spot jump you think people start giving them a little more credit, though? I mean, I mean, that's going to be if they beat Michigan, that'll be their third top twenty-five win. If you count the Northwestern win, which is uh, now, if you do it retroactively, would be a, a top twenty-five win. So, Bill, do you think uh, they start putting some respect on Wisconsin's name if they if they uh, win this weekend, or is it, is it depending on the matter in which they pull it off? Like, if if they if they win in a squeaker, it might not boost their profile that much. Well, I, I don't think it'll boost it that much either way. I think they'll probably still be in the number five spot because those top four teams play Alabama plays Mercer and Clemson plays the Citadel, so those aren't going to happen. I think Miami's going to beat Virginia and Oklahoma plays Kansas, and they're like a 38-point favorite. So Wisconsin will probably stay in the five spot. But, but here's, here's the thing with them, and I was talking to a buddy about this the other night. I said – their football team's the same as their basketball team every year. You're not going to get style points. You're not going to get, you know, oh, my gosh, they're so fun to watch. But you will get wins. And and Paul Christ isn't worried about that. And he's been consistent with that message over the last two years. So I think they win. And whether or not they get respect, you know what, 
the committee's not going to leave out a 13-0 Big Ten team. The one thing yeah. with Wisconsin, though, is they can't lose, and they know they can't lose, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, two things to your to your points there. Um, one, it's crazy to me, like you said, how they've kind of merged their identities of, of the basketball and football programs. Like, you're right, it's just like a grind it out. You know, they'll have players that are that are flashy and, and you know, will dominate national headlines, but the overall style kind of remains the same. And, you know, whether that's completely accurate or not, if it's, you know, it's, it's still like a stereotypical Wisconsin you know, grind it out, tough it out, and just line up across from you and 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 beat you. And, and it's crazy to me how it just keeps resulting in you know Rose Bowls and and NCAA tournaments and Final Fours. Um, we will we'll move on now to uh, the Big Ten beyond the Wisconsin Michigan game. Tom, is there anything out there worth watching beyond Wisconsin and Michigan? Uh, what else are you going to be paying attention to this weekend Ooh. in the Big Ten? Yeah, not a lot else that really, uh, really is headline grabbing. I guess at this point, um, they said all eyes will be on Madison to watch that ball game to see how it unfolds. Um, some teams battling for bowl eligibility. The way operate our Rutgers in Indiana. Um, I mean, there's some, some compelling stuff there. IU needs to win out here to get the six wins, and Rutgers is in that same boat. You know, PJ Flex one win away from getting that sixth victory as well. So. Uh, you know, it's, it's, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Purdue's at Iowa, and uh, again, this will be a chance for the Hawkeyes to sort of muscle up here, I think, and try to finish the season on a strong note. If Purdue loses, of course, their chances of going to a bowl are over. So, um, you know, Nebraska's at Penn State. I mean, from a name-brand appeal standpoint, that game catches your eye, but then obviously we all know the details of Nebraska's season awfully ugly, and boy, Tanner Lee may not be able to play this week. That would be really bad for the Cornhuskers out there in State College, PA. Yeah, and uh, BTN Tailgate will be in State College, so that'll be a fun scene. Um, I don't believe they've been to Penn State yet, so that, that'll be a cool sight to see, and they'll uh, go up against game day. Uh, it'll be in Wisconsin, so uh, a lot of eyes will be in the Big Ten this week, even before the games kick off. And, uh, Bill, so following last week, which obviously had some serious sizzle, it was, it was you know really why people argue that this top that this playoff format with just top, with uh, four teams making it matters so much because it gives us weekends like last week where every game is, is appointment television. Uh, then we move on to this week, which, to be honest, not a whole lot going on. This is kind of that week that all the SEC schools play some cupcake and have like a mini walkthrough before it gets real the last week of the season. So, uh, Bill, break it down for us. Let us know. Is there anything out there worth worth watching, or is this a uh, rake the leaves and uh, clean the garage kind of Saturday? It's funny you said. I'm looking at my leaves right now, and I'm like, is, is it too young to send the six year old boy out there and let him give it a go? But uh, uh, builds no, character. I, I think, <laughs> USC uh, is one worth watching against UCLA for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's Darnold and Rosen, and if you're an NFL guy, those are guys that are trying to make some money at the next level. Um, USC probably has some faint off-the-wall playoff hopes. They, they would need a lot of help. They go 11-2 and and win the Pac-12. They'll have a chance. Um, UCLA, obviously, Jim Moore on the hot seat. That's another game. I want to watch Miami to see how they handle success this week against Virginia. And then that's about it. I mean, like you said, it's kind of that setup to my favorite week of the year, rivalry week, when, when we get the, actually the favorite two weeks of the year, I think rivalry week spills right into conference championship. It's a busy two weeks and Tom's been down this road many times. And, you know, it's just that 
kind of the emotion of the next two weeks is, is what makes college football so special. So, um, yeah, but other than that, I think LIs will be on Madison and, and this referendum on the Badgers and, and really another referendum on Harbaugh because every time he loses, maybe more so than any coach in the country, that, uh, you know, the critics come out because of the hype and, and everything that he created on his arrival in Ann Arbor. Yeah, Bill, you know, he's the one who, who created the buzz, and he's the one that's got to look at me, uh, um, you know, ways about social media and whatnot. So, uh, you know, like I said, he, he brings a lot of it upon himself. So, anyway, i got to ask you, Bill, rivalry week, right? Give, uh-huh. me, your fa- give me your favorite rivalry trophy. Is it, the, is it Paul Bunyan's axe, Florida Rosedale? I know that was a couple weeks ago. The old Oakland bucket, the old brass platoon. What Bill, like? it's it's the Illinois Northwestern hat. I know, I know, I know the answer already. <laughs> well, the Big Ten has the market cornered on cool rivalry trophies, right? And I, I think there are so many good ones. The um, <laughs> I don't know why I like this one so much. I, I love the Illabuck, and they're playing for it this week, okay. and I've seen it a few times. It's a turtle, of course, which doesn't make sense. And if you read the backstory, it's pretty funny. But, you know, that's probably not the best one. The best one in the Big Ten is either it would be a take-your-pick of from me of the axe, which is just so cool, the pig, the Floyd of Rosedale, and, of course, uh, you know, the little brown jug's always there. I mean, this yeah. uh, Michigan-Minnesota, that's a, that's a timeless classic. And nationally, what about the keg and nails? Yeah, that's a good one, too. I mean, but like I said, like, I, I remember doing this for SN a few years ago, and we were looking at all these Big Ten trophies, and so many good ones. And that's an, another part. And there was some people in the Sporting News office at the time that were Southerners or whatever, and they're like, what's the big deal with these trophies? I was like, you just don't understand. If you're <laughs> if you're an Ohio State fan, you don't lose the yellow buck. And if you're a Michigan fan, you don't lose that little brown judge. It's a big deal. You can just Illinois, say it. Uh, Illinois Northwest used to be the sweet suit tomahawk. Remember, Alex? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now it's the hat. But um, you can say to SEC fans that it just means more, right? Isn't that their uh, their slogan? <laughs> the trophies. Well, yeah, and 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 like I said, it's it's a fun. It's it. Those are fun things to look at. And, and like I said, you know, I I, I do like the yellow buck though. It's 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 up there in the Woody Hayes facility. They have scratch marks for every win. It's so so basic yet so cool. Yeah, you mentioned the Illabuck backstory. I mean, that was a real turtle, I think, for a while. That's what it started as. And then uh, once the turtle died a few times, I think they had to go to a wooden one. And, uh, <laughs> we, we, and tur- we're, we're, we're pretty weird sometimes in Ohio. Tom knows I'm a pretty weird guy, too, so he can attest <laughs> to that. So I, I, I can back that up. That turtle, you know, I one, think... You, you know, one of my favorites that got retired for, I guess, political correctness was Indiana, Kentucky, face with a bourbon barrel. I mean, you talk about a perfect trophy to that part of the country. And then, then Kentucky and Tennessee play for the beer barrel, but, again, that, that's gone, too. But, again, um, Tom, we know college students trophies. don't drink. We know college well, students know, don't I drink. Know, Come on. the bourbon barrel, that is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was going to say, I think that, that Illabuck's uh, residency, if it has to list its address on its ID or driver's license, I don't think it's going to be in Illinois. It's spent most of its time in Ohio. So, um, the the turtle uh rest in may rest in peace the wooden turtle spent most of its time in Columbus um guys before we wrap up now we will do what we do every week and list our one big moment that we uh we noticed in college football in the previous weekend or in in uh, I guess recent days in the sport uh, I'll, I'll start and my cool or, or unique moment from college football this last week was. 
after the Michigan Maryland game, uh, Melvin Keene, who who B- BTN did a documentary on because he uh, escaped um, war torn Liberia and was kind of brought in by an American family uh, when when he when he got to the states, and that just so happened to be uh, the the Pogi Pogi family. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, Henry on, on the Michigan team uh, was high school teammates with Melvin, and his family kind of took Melvin in. And so after that Michigan-Maryland game, they kind of met up and had a cool moment. And uh, it, it was cool to see that kind of come full circle, especially after you know what Melvin Keene came from. And, and I encourage everyone to watch that documentary because it, it is a uh, pretty powerful reminder of where some of these athletes in the Big Ten uh, come out of. So... That was cool for me to see. Uh, Tom, we'll, we'll throw it over to you now. If you have a big moment from the past week in college football, let's hear it. You know, Bill was there down in South Florida. I just think the carnival atmosphere uh, must have been quite a quite a fun environment to be a part of down there with the former Canes around. Um, you know, Alex, we talked about the, the the mania of the turnover chain. I have to come on college football's biggest stories this year. What a what a fun gimmick! Uh, again, I just think that that whole story about Miami and and winning that big game in such dramatic fashion against Notre Dame was uh, one of the finer moments of the season so far. All right, Bill, uh, you got anything? I'm sure you, you saw some sights in in Miami, and if if not something from there, uh, there's probably plenty to choose from. So if you got something, lay it on us. I'm going to give you the offensive lineman. I think Billy Price. You know, with the consecutive start streak at Ohio State. Um, yeah. He, he's been a guy over the last few years, and I'm around the program quite a bit. Um, always honest. You know, as journalists, you always look for that guy that's a go-to quote. It's him. He, he's very honest. He, he talks. He, he speaks well. He's an offensive lineman. Those guys are always the smartest guys on the field sometimes, and uh, he really lives that out. And I think the fact that he's been – him and JT Barrett are kind of where, where we've talked about a lot in this podcast is – they, they were there in 2014. Billy Price was on the field. He knows what it takes for the Buckeyes to make this run, and they've been trying to recapture that run since 14, and I think he's the perfect guy for them to build around. And, uh, you know, again, another guy that's probably going to be an All-American, have his tree planted in Buckeye Grove, and, and go on to a successful NFL career. So I respect a guy with that kind of longevity on the offensive line that's done it the way he has, both right on and off the field. I couldn't have more respect for a guy like Billy Price. All right, good stuff, Bill. Uh, good stuff, Tom, as well. And uh, on that note, we will wrap up. Like you said, Bill, uh, nationally, this might not be the best week to uh, invite the friends over and uh, make a bunch of food and do a grocery run. Instead, you know, maybe kick your feet up, watch some Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, you know, like you said, play with your kids or or hang out because rake we got we got a lot more fun to come. Rake the leaves, yeah. Get your kid out there raking the leaves. Never too young. <laughs> so Bill Bender of the Sporting News thanks for joining us um, Tom thanks as always you guys thanks, uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to next time good, yeah man I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk to you guys later thank you thanks to Bill and Tom for joining me and if you listen to these football focus episodes before you know we're not done yet because we've got BTN researcher Harold Shelton in the house for our weekly stat head segment where we go behind the numbers which is especially intriguing this time of year with the college football playoff and all the analysis that goes behind that in those rankings. So before we get to our brief sit-down with Harold, I do want to remind everyone to take 10% off your online order at the btn.com shop with the promo code TAKE10. That's 
T-A-K-E-1-0, all caps, and you can do it. Make sure you get it done. Do it right after you listen to this segment with my man H, PTN researcher Harold Sheldon. All right, I'm joined once again for our weekly stat head segment by BTN researcher Harold Shelton. Harold, is always good to be with you. How's it going? I know we didn't uh, exactly light the world on fire last week in the Big Ten, but uh, it was a pretty crazy week in college football overall. Yeah, it certainly was. And, you know, you had all of these ranked matchups, and it was a lot of blowouts. I didn't really expect to see that. But the, uh, the playoff picture is a lot clearer now after the, all of the carnage that happened last week. Yeah, I mean – like we alluded to, the Big Ten was kind of blah. It was it was a lot of bl- a lot of blowouts, and some of those blowouts carried over to the national stage. But we had three top ten games, so that means three top ten teams had to lose. So what did that do for the national uh, the national landscape, especially with the college football playoff rankings coming out last night? We saw Wisconsin coming into the highest Big Ten team, just one spot out of that coveted top four. They're at uh, they're at number five. So you mentioned the uh, the clarity kind of coming into the into focus now. What exactly um, is the landscape now with the college football playoff rankings? Um, I mean, it seems pretty clear right now that seven teams kind of control their destiny, and that would be the, the top seven right now. Bama, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Auburn, Georgia. I think if you know if, if four of those teams will win out, they'll go. You still have Clemson and Miami to have to play each other. Alabama and Auburn have to play each other and possibly Georgia against either Alabama or Auburn. So there's still more carnage to come. Uh, I think Wisconsin's in a great spot. Um, I think after last week, there's pretty much, I'd say there's very, very, very small chance that they would get left out if they went 13-0. I don't believe that'll happen. I said that last week, and I still stand by that. Yeah, so, you know, a week ago we were sitting here, and we talked about this in the show with Bill Bender and Tom earlier this morning but a week ago we were sitting here Ohio State had gotten uh blown out Penn State had lost to, to Michigan State and we were thinking Wisconsin's the only Big Ten hope for a title now or for, for a uh, I'm sorry college football playoff berth now that's not really the case because you mentioned those top seven teams Notre Dame comes in at number eight and then you have Ohio State at number nine and since Notre Dame doesn't have that uh conference championship game Ohio State's not in that bad of a position all of a sudden you know kind of unthinkably even even like a week ago i know some people were on it before i really believed that this was this was possible but uh, i've kind of caught up to to the uh the wisdom now that ohio state has a chance so lay it out for me what, what do ohio state fans need to root for i think the obvious one is, is for alabama to, to keep winning right yeah you definitely want alabama to win out if they win out that gives auburn three losses knocks them out it gives georgia two losses and knocks them out and both of those teams wouldn't be champions so i don't think you'd have to worry about them uh, I think you want Oklahoma to win out, as crazy as that sounds. I just don't think you want to get in a situation where if they lose the Big 12 title game and they each have the same record and they compare their hair to Coming down to that last, spot, last spot, right? Yeah, coming down to that last spot. I just think you want to avoid that. So if Oklahoma just wins out and makes sure that TCU doesn't get in, I think you're fine there. Um, obviously, if Ohio State won out, they would beat Wisconsin, so you would knock Wisconsin out. The, the win over Michigan and Wisconsin, I think, would be enough to jump Notre Dame. And if Penn, they were to Penn do State that. couldn't jump either because they won head-to-head. Right. So. Yeah, they, they pretty much blocked Penn State out with that head-to-head win and a chance to get to Indy, which Penn State wouldn't have. So I think the path is there, but you need Alabama to win out. You need Oklahoma to win out. 
Um, I was originally thinking Miami, but at this point, if they're third and only have one quality win, you might as well just have Clemson win that game, just knock Miami out of it, and I think Ohio State would wind up getting in. Right. So are there implications in that ACC title game in regards to the Big Ten with uh, Clemson likely taking on – they are going to take on Miami for sure, right? Yeah, that's already locked in. Yeah, that's locked in. So are there there even implications for the Big Ten in that one? Or like you said, is it just kind of – you know, if Clemson wins, great. They're in at 10-1 because they're already number two – or 11-1 by that point. And uh, Miami with that, like you said, only one really win that jumps out at you. If they lose that game, does that ACC win or even really matter? Yeah, I know in the past it's been, you know, we have to worry about the possibility of two SEC teams if Georgia and Auburn met undefeated. Well, that's over. The ACC now, with it being two versus three, could be some cause for concern. I think the only way it's even a discussion is if it's a controversial finish at the end Mm -hmm. or a last-second field goal or last-second touchdown wins the game. I think if it's just a normal win by either team that the loser would be out of the top four. So I think the only way you'd have to worry about the ACC is if it was something controversial that the result was you know, somehow tainted in a way or it turned out to be an instant classic and you, you say, oh, both of these teams deserve to be in the top four. Right. So we'll keep it simple for Ohio State fans for now. Keep winning for Ohio State and uh, root and, for Alabama. And keep rooting for Wisconsin. You want them to be undefeated yeah, by the exactly. time you play them. That's what I was going to get to. Um, first of all, I just can't believe that. You know, Ohio State, I feel like it's always – they're never out of it, you know. Like, like even uh, back in the BCS days, like everything played out just perfectly a couple times. The, at least once, I know uh, in '07 yeah, for them yeah, to yeah to the, for them to get to the title game. So it seems like things could line up again nicely for them if they take care of business. But yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about Wisconsin now because you know they are three spots ahead of Ohio State. They're undefeated. <clears throat> they really do control their own destiny, most likely, like you said. And they have the game of the week in the Big Ten this weekend. Uh, because one, there's not really any other games with really serious implications, and two, because uh, like their college football playoff hopes are on the line against a pretty good team in number 24 Michigan, who made their college football playoff rankings debut Tuesday night. So, what are you what are you looking for in that game? Because Michigan has been putting up some serious numbers on the ground lately. Wisconsin's defenses look really good. So, go behind the numbers there um, in that matchup. Who do you who do you like, and what do you think that game's going to come down to? Uh, I like Wisconsin in the game. I think both teams are very very similar. They both want to run the ball well. They both play very good defense. Both very aggressive attacking defenses. Uh, I'd say the issue is the quarterback play for both. You got Alex Hornibrook, who's thrown a pick in seven straight games. Right. Uh, you have a very untested Brandon Peters. He's, I think he's only got 45 attempts in his three games. Since no picks, though. No picks, yeah. exactly. Four touchdowns, no picks. But he's facing a totally different animal than the Rutgers and the Maryland's and the Minnesota's right. of the world. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. Um, I really think the defenses will kind of cancel each other out, and I think Hornibrook will make enough plays to Danny Davis and Fumagalli to pull that win out. All right, I mean, that's that's the big game. Um College game day will be there. There's really not a whole lot going on in the rest yes. of the Big Ten. I mean, we got BTN tailgate at Penn State, which will be a fun time as always. But, you know, we got a Nebraska team that's just limping and crawling their way to, to the end of whatever that season is. So is there anything else you're looking for in the Big Ten this week outside of the marquee matchup in Madison? Uh, well, Ohio State's got a chance to clinch uh, the East Division, trip to Indy for the first time since 2014. 
Uh, they need to beat Illinois, and Michigan would have to lose to Wisconsin. Uh, if they beat Wisconsin, Ohio State still controls their destiny. They would just have to win out. Sure. Um, Justin Jackson very quietly is just 27 yards away from having 5,000 rushing yards in his career. Very uh, impressive. Only five. That should be like top big, five, right? In the big yeah, ten? yeah. Yeah. Only five other Big Ten players have ever done that. So, you know, he's just just quietly doing his thing as he's been doing for, you know, all four of his years. Uh, I'd say other than that, I mean, Penn State, you know, they've scored 20 points in 20 straight games, which doesn't seem like a lot until you realize that only five Big Ten teams have ever done that. Oh, wow. So that's pretty interesting. They, you figure they would keep that streak alive against a Nebraska team that's reeling, like you said. I think that's a safe bet, yeah. You mentioned Justin Jackson quietly doing his thing, just kind of like Northwestern's quietly done their thing and won five in a row, putting together a real nice season. But we'll be uh, kind of pushing all the chips to the table in that Michigan-Wisconsin game. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to uh, – we'll see if we sit down next week. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving's going on, so you know, we might have other places to be, but we'll get back at it soon enough. Thanks, as always, for joining me, and uh, it'll be, uh, be fun here down the stretch. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to it. A lot of action in the Big Ten down the stretch, just as it should be. Thanks again all to right. Harold, Bill, and Tom for joining me. It was a lot of fun, as always. Bill was great, and, uh, you know – it's hard to believe it's week 12 already. It seems like yesterday we had Matt Hayes of Bleacher Report on the phone breaking down first couple weeks in college football, and now here we are 12 weeks later after bringing in the best of the best and talking college football week after week. And i got to be honest, I was, I was pretty bummed a week ago as it looked like the Big Ten's college football playoff hopes had faded quite a bit. It's weird to say that because, you know, I, I went to a Big Ten school and, and, you know, grew up around one, so totally a Big Ten lackey now that that, that scope is expanded and I actually have attachments to all the teams and, and I kind of ride or, ride or die not that I'm a, a you know a fan necessarily but I do get invested in how these teams do and uh, since I'm watching them every week so I was kind of bummed when it looked like the college football hopes had faded quite a bit after uh, last week's performance um, two weekends ago I should say with Iowa beating Ohio State and, and Penn State going down to Michigan State but now the possibility of either Ohio State or Wisconsin, that, that Big Ten title game winner getting in, has kind of lifted those spirits a little bit. So the intrigue is back. Sorry if you're a Michigan fan listening to this who has to go through both teams and, and hates Ohio State anyway. My apologies. But um, the intrigue is back. And I, I agree with Bill and Tom that, you know, two teams can get in. It's crazy enough to, crazy as it is to say, with Ohio State sitting on two losses. But uh, it'll be fun to watch going forward. Anyway. It is finally time to wrap up and let the football guys settle it on the field for another week. We'll be back soon enough to break it all down. So thanks to everyone out there for listening. Please keep subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. Thanks to Wes White, as always, for producing it. And we'll talk to you next time on the Take 10 Podcast.